listeners of the ASI Podcast. My name is Russ Shaw. Question number two, what is a Christian mystic spiritual anarchist? You uh, claim to title yourself, Russ, raising some eyebrows. That'll be on the show today, too. Here, some Johnny Cash. But I'm gonna break, I'm gonna break my, gonna break my rusty cage and run. I'm gonna break. I'm gonna break my, gonna break my rusty cage and run. That's right. The uh, break the rusty cage and run. Doing some recording in the car again today as I think through and working through the book that I am voicing, the audiobook that will be out very soon. The title, you may ask? Mutiny on the Ghost Ship. A sinking interruption in our swims towards happiness. It's a working title, all right? Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm still working on the title a little bit. But yes, Mutiny on the Ghost Ship is the idea. It is my story mixed with some fiction. Um, my imagination as a, as a little boy, uh, my, my grandfather being a fisherman and a guy who worked on the shipyards and the Ballard Locks in the Seattle area there, uh, Ballard Shipyard. Um, anyhow. The book. I'm excited about the book, and I'm realizing how it's funny how putting like 10, 11 years of the podcast into a book, right? These thoughts, but it's not just the thoughts. It's it's organizing and putting some structure to ideas, uh, convictions. My, my faith, my, my experienced faith, right? Experiential, not just that, but what I've experienced with my faith walk in this life, because everybody lives by faith, right? You get up, you go to work. I had a, a friend, a, a guy asked me, he's going through a, a kind of a, you could say a crisis of faith, struggling with, you know, I'm, I'm not a, I'm agnostic, right? He's gone from very Christian Presbyterian, I think it was Presbyterian, to agnostic, and he was asking me about why I still have faith, and I'm like, it, it, it was a strange question just because of the language of how I use the word faith. Like, I think that faith 
um, I think religion is something you can lose, or the systems and, and structures are, are something you can very much lose. But faith is something that, like, we all have faith. Like, you wouldn't leave your house without faith. And maybe I'm getting philosophical here, redefining faith. I mean, I, I, it's not even redefining. Faith is the evidence of things unseen. There are no guarantees in life. I go to work every day. I drive all day long. It's dangerous, right? I don't have the guarantee that I'll come home alive in one piece, right? So faith is that. But but so putting a, a structure to it, right, in a book is, is really interesting to me right now. The things I value are being um, put into a, a story, right, that, that is structured in a way that it has a beginning and an end and dissonance that gets stirred up and solved, hopefully, right? Uh, so I'm excited about the, the process of this as I'm going through it. ASI247.org, that's the name of the podcast website. Russ, me, your host, Russ Shaw, Russ at ASI247.org, if you would like to get in contact with me that way. The Twitter handle is at Russ Shaw, all one word, and there is a Facebook deal, right, a group page kind of thing that you can find on uh, the website there, ASI247.org. I'm also doing a GoFundMe, and if you go to the PayPal site or the GoFundMe site, I want to give away a copy of the book, Mutiny on the Ghost Ship, to anyone who donates to keeping the ASI podcast alive, all right? Now, there's different degrees of what you will get. I may send you the MP3s. I may send you a, a signed CD. Um, I am self-producing this, so this is a self-published uh, work of mine. It's not going to be pretty in the beginning, all right? Um, eventually, it will be on Audible and Google Play, Apple's bookstore, right? All of that stuff. But uh, I want to give listeners, if you give like more than, I don't know, say 10 bucks on the PayPal side of things or more than 15 to $20 on the uh, GoFundMe side of things, I want to send you a copy of this book when it's finished. My goal is to have it finished by the middle of October. I want to have it marketable by Halloween, which would be great because it has sort of a sort of a ghosty thing to it, right? I don't know why I just went into a British accent there. Is it is it because vampires are British? I don't know. There's no there's no vampires in the book. There might be. I don't know. A vampire might make an appearance. You never know where I'm going with this. Uh, but I'm excited about the way it's coming together. And to 
today on the podcast some of what the material of the book is and I'm <laughs> I'm throwing my hat in the ring as far as the hierarchy of needs right um, <laughs> what Russ I know so La uh, Maslow back in the day back in the 40s early 50s if any of you have been to college and have taken any kind of intro psych classes on psychology, you have probably heard of uh, Laszlo's hierarchy of needs, right? Um, there's there's five of them. Uh, Tony Robbins did a TED Talk where he did six uh, needs that he, that he spelled out and it was kind of playing off of Maslow's needs, right, pyramid thing, um, and, and so I have seven, so I'm going to put seven of them out there, and why do I think this is important? Because I believe that pornography addiction, even any kind of really, any kind of unwanted behavior is birthed out of subconscious needs, right, that we can't control on the surface. When you have an addiction, when you have a bad habit, when you say to yourself, you know, this is destructive, like why am I doing this? I don't want to keep continuing to do this, yet you do it again anyway, right? That's a bad habit or an addiction or a compulsion. So I wanted to present some reasons of what we may be medicating underneath the surface and again, based on Maslow's work from back in the day. Right, but these are my own seven uh, needs that I've seen that we, again, we don't necessarily know that we're doing. Freud would call this the subconscious mind, right? We're, we're subconsciously doing these things, and we don't. We, we go to a, a behaviorist, a psychologist, a clinician, a life coach to help us get ourselves under control. Why? Because we have seven needs that either are being met in a dysfunctional way or aren't being met at all and then we end up acting out as a way to meet those needs. What does spirituality have to do with this? I'm a Christian guy, all right. I'm not I'm not a big religious guy. I don't like religion. I'm not Religion has messed me up as a kid and as a young adult. Um, today, I would consider myself more of a Christian mystic, spiritual anarchist. All right, what does that mean? Um, that's a good question because I've had the question, right, loaded question maybe, or question charged with that emotion going. Anarchy, Russ, anarchy comes from, that word comes from Antichrist. You know that that word comes from Antichrist, right? Um, well, not necessarily, all right? Anarchy, looking up the word, I'm going to go into that. I'm going to go into the definition of anarchy. It simply means without rules, right? Anarchy in dictionary.com means the absence of a ruler or the non-recognition of authority. The word actually comes from the Greek and it means, so if you break the word down in the Greek, 
Anna or Anne, meaning without, and Arcos, meaning a chief or ruler, without rules and systems and government. Um, is that realistic on a social scale? No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that cities should be anarchies. That would be total chaos and survival of the fittest. Um, I am in firm belief that if it wasn't for the police um, in major cities, it would be like that film, what was that film, The Purge, right? If it wasn't for the police, law and order, uh, it would be like the purge weekly in our major cities. So, yes, I do believe in law and order, but when we get down to spiritual levels, I do believe in the importance of realizing the mystery of who God is. And that's something that I may have got away from in my years at Mars Hill Church. That's something that I learned in AC3, and I love those guys at AC3. I'm actually going back to AC3 this weekend. My mom goes to church there still. My mom is getting older and experiencing some dementia, and, and I'm bringing her to church. And she went to church last week, which was great, with her friend Debbie. And I'm, I'm going to church with her, and I'm going to see the guys at, at AC3 again, which will be great. Because I, I still love those guys and have a relationship with them. Uh, Dan and Rick down there, awesome, awesome folks. So one of the things I learned from Rick back in the day in my, right, my reconstruct or whatever you want to call it of my faith as after I'd walked away from, from it for a number of years, part of what Rick talked about a lot was the fact that God is unknowable. Um, one of the things that scared me about Mars Hill Church is this pushing this book, Systematic Theology, by this guy named Wayne Grudem. Um, I listened to the lectures that he did, basically kind of an audiobook on the systematic theology. I got about halfway through them before I realized that, oh my God, this guy thinks he has the Bible figured out. And I stopped listening because that, like, when you feel like you got God figured out, if you're going to a church where that's the energy, where they're so certain that God is in some parameter that they've, right, they, they got the formula on who God is and how God operates and how the Bible is correctly to be interpreted, man, I would run from that place, all right? Because that's, that's not healthy. Um, for us to understand who God is would be something like trying to describe the internet to your dog, all right? Could you imagine sitting there with your schnauzer trying to unpack the internet? They're just not going to get it, and neither do we when it comes to these big concepts <laughs> of who the creator of the universe and the lover of our soul actually is. As a matter of fact, in the Bible, when God is asked, who are you? He says, I am. <laughs> you want to know who I am? I am. That's it. Boom. I, I love that. Moses, right? That whole story. Jesus is going to say things like, I, I am the door, right? John 10, 7. He goes into this um, sheep and shepherd analogy there. He says things like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's constantly saying, follow after me. Drink me, right? The Eucharist. Drink me. Eat my flesh, right? Drink my blood. I mean, people at that day, I mean, that was like punk rock stuff, all right? That was very anti-establishment. The cross was very 
punk rock, all right? God enters into a man's body, flesh and blood, walks among us, becomes a person in human history, and, and, and has all this compassion for the, the broken, the, the rebels, the misfits, the total disasters, the messes of human beings, the punk rockers, the troublemakers, the shaking a fist in the sky, the defensive, the hurt, the brokenhearted, you and me. Right? That's anarchy. Right? There's no. Jesus constantly is encouraging us to walk in the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Against such things there is no law. What about discipline, right? The Bible has a lot of things to say about discipline, self discipline, uh. Obedience, right? My my chat with uh, Jason Graves a few shows ago. Uh, obedience was one of the things that he talks about. Um, what about that stuff, Ross? Well, that's getting into it. So, right, we'll get into these uh, seven needs. All right, that uh, they're subconscious. They're things that we don't necessarily realize we're doing, but you talk about the issue of discipline, obedience. Um, in, in Christian circles, we use the word discipleship, right? It, there's even books on discipleship programs. Uh, reminded me of this dude who did a TED Talk. I love TED Talks. TED Talks are awesome. Uh, they're fun, right? It's like 15 minutes. Let's take a topic and expound on it a little bit by someone who's maybe been through this or that and this guy he's a he's an expert amateur I guess from what I understand he was on the TED radio hour they did a show uh, about amateur hour basically about TED talks on being new at something or or right not being the expert but getting into it right the, the amateurs and this guy said that he does he, he does these he write he's a writer and he does these topical writings or books on he gets interested in something and wants to learn about it and and then do it right through experience right there we go into the Christian mystic what's a Christian mystic it's it's understanding the mystery embracing the mystery and then living it so this guy writes this book about he writes books about that right he, he writes about it his name is AJ Jacobs and he lived a full year you want to talk about obedience this guy was fascinated by biblical living and religion and Right, the, the Christian religion. Even though he's a Jewish guy, and I would say that what he did was more, more Jewish, I think, than it was. Uh, it, but you know, Christian, Judeo-Christian. That's kind of the religion of the United States, or at least the East Coast. All right. So, <laughs> so this guy does this this talk on a year living biblically. And uh, here, I'll, I'll play you a couple of excerpts. 
I undertook this for two reasons. The first was that I grew up with no religion at all. As I say in, uh, in my book, I'm Jewish in the same way the Olive Garden is Italian. So, not very. But I've become increasingly interested in religion. I do think it's the defining issue of our time, or one of the, one of the main ones. And uh, I have a son, I want to know what to teach him. So I decided to dive in head first and try to live the Bible. Uh, the second reason I undertook this is because I'm concerned about the rise of fundamentalism, religious fundamentalism, and, uh, and people who say they take the Bible literally, which is, uh, according to some polls, as high as 45 or 50 percent of America. So uh, I decided, well, what if you really did take the Bible literally? I, I decided to take it to its logical conclusion and, uh, and take everything in the Bible literally without picking and choosing. I wrote down every single law that I could find. And this was a very long list, over 700 rules. Uh, and they, came, they ranged from the famous ones that I had heard of, the Ten Commandments, love your neighbor, be fruitful and multiply. So I wanted to follow those. And actually, I take my projects very seriously because I had twins during my year. So I... Uh, I definitely take my project seriously. But I also wanted to follow the hundreds of arcane and obscure laws that are in the Bible. Uh, there's a, the law in Leviticus. You cannot shave the corners of your beard. I didn't know where my corners were, so I decided to let the whole thing grow. And this is what I looked like by the end. Uh, as you can imagine, I spent a lot of time at airport security. <laughs> my wife wouldn't kiss me for the last two months. So uh, certainly a challenge there. Uh, the Bible says you cannot wear clothes made of mixed fibers. So I thought, sounds strange, but I'll try it. You only know if you uh, try it. So I got rid of all my poly cotton t-shirts. I did spend some time shepherding, uh, you know. So it's a very relaxing uh, vocation. I recommend it. But this one is, uh, the Bible says that you cannot touch women during certain times of the month. And more than that, you cannot sit on a seat where a menstruating woman has sat. And my wife thought this was very offensive, so she sat in every seat in our apartment, and I had to spend much of the year standing until I, uh, I've, I bought my own seat and, uh, and, and carried around. Uh, the Bible says uh, that if two men are in a fight and the wife of one of those men grabs the testicles of the other man, then her hand shall be cut off. So I wanted to follow that rule. <laughs> that, one, that one I followed by default, by not getting in a fight with a man whose wife was standing nearby looking like she had a strong grip. So uh, I, I will say it was an amazing year because it, it really was life-changing and incredibly challenging. And there were two types of laws that were particularly challenging. Uh, the first was avoiding the little sins that we all commit every day. Uh, you know, I could spend a year not killing, but spending a year not gossiping, not coveting, not lying. You know, I live in New York, and I work as a journalist. So this was 75, 80% of my day I had to do it. Uh, but it was really interesting because I was able to, to make some progress because I couldn't believe how much my behavior changed my thoughts. This was one of the huge lessons of the year, is that I almost pretended to be a better person, and I became a little bit of a better person. It's that uh, I had always thought, you know, you change your mind and you change your behavior, but it's often the other way around. You change your behavior and you change your mind. 
Uh, so, you know, if you want to become more compassionate, you visit sick people in the hospital and you will become more compassionate. Uh, you donate money to a cause and you become emotionally involved in that cause. Uh, so it really was cognitive psychology, uh, you know, cognitive dissonance that I was experiencing. The Bible actually talks about cognitive psychology, very primitive cognitive psychology. In the Proverbs it says that if you smile, you will become happier, which, uh, as we know, is actually true. The second type of, uh, of rule that was difficult to obey was the rules that will get you into little trouble in 21st century America. Uh, and uh, perhaps the, the clearest example of this is stoning adulterers. Uh, but I, uh, it's a huge, it's a big part of the Bible. So I figured I had to address it. So uh, I was able to stone one adulterer. It happened. I was in the park, and I was dressed in my biblical clothing, so sandals and uh, sort of a white robe. And you know, Because, again, the outer affects the inner. I, w- I wanted to see how dressing biblically affected my mind. Uh, and this man came up to me, and he said, why are you dressed like that? And I explained my project. And he said, well, I'm an adulterer. Are you going to stone me? And I said, well, that would be great. <laughs> and... Uh, I actually, uh, I took out a handful of, of stones from my pocket that I've been carrying around for weeks, hoping for just this interaction. And, you know, they were pebbles. Uh, but he, uh, he grabbed them out of my hand. He was actually an elderly man, mid-70s, just so you know. But he's still an adulterer and still quite angry. He grabbed them out of my hand and threw them at my face. Uh, and I felt that I could, eye for an eye, I could retaliate and throw one back at him. So that was my experience stoning. And it did allow me to talk, in, uh, talk about, um, in a more serious way, these big issues like how can the Bible be so barbaric in some places and yet so incredibly wise in others? Uh, how should we view the Bible? Should we view it you know, as original intent, like a sort of a Scalia version uh, of the Bible? Um, how is the Bible written? And actually, since this is a tech crowd, I talk in the book about... Uh, how the Bible actually reminds me of the Wikipedia because it has all of these authors and editors over hundreds of years and it's sort of evolved. It's not a book that was written and you know, came down from on high. So uh, I thought I would, uh, I would end by telling you just a couple of the, the takeaway, the bigger uh, lessons that I learned from my year. Uh, the first is, Thou shalt not take the Bible literally. This, was, uh, this, this became very, very clear early on. Because if you do, then you end up acting like a crazy person and stoning adulterers. Or here's another example of... Uh, so uh, uh, another lesson is that, uh, that thou shalt give thanks. And this one was a, a big lesson because I was praying, giving these prayers of thanksgiving, which was odd for an agnostic. But uh, I, I was saying thanks all the time, every day. And I, be, I started to, to change my perspective. And I started to realize the hundreds of little things that go right every day uh, that I didn't, I didn't even notice that I took for granted, uh, as opposed to focusing on the three or four that went wrong. 
so this is actually a key to happiness for me, is to uh, just remember, you know, when I came over here, the car didn't flip over, you know, I didn't trip coming up the stairs. It's, you know, and a remarkable thing. Thou shalt have reverence. This one was not unexpected because I started the year as an agnostic, and by the end of the year, I became what a, a friend of mine calls a reverent agnostic, which I love, and I'm trying to start it as a movement, so if anyone wants to join... Uh, The basic idea is whether or not there's a God, there's something important and beautiful about the idea of sacredness and that our rituals can be sacred, uh, the Sabbath can be sacred. This was one of the great things about my year was doing the Sabbath because I am a, uh, a workaholic. So having this one day where you cannot work, it really, that changed my life. So, so this idea of sacredness, that thou shalt not stereotype, this one happened because I I spent a lot of time with various religious communities throughout uh, America because I wanted it to be more than about my uh, journey. I wanted it to be about religion in America. So I, I spent time with evangelical Christians and Hasidic Jews and the Amish. I'm very proud because I think I, I'm the only person in America to out-Bible talk a Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> after, uh, after three and a half hours, he looked at his watch. He's like, I got to go. I can <laughs> So yes, that is A.J. Jacobs. Uh, It's some snippets from the TED Talk. I believe it's about 17, 20 minutes long, something like that. Uh, I encourage you to check it out. The Year Living Biblically is the name of the book that he did. So yes, speaking of rules and taking the Bible literally, I guess I broke a commandment when I said that I was taking my mom to church tomorrow and that I was going to be talking about the seven needs in this podcast. I did a little bit. I did an intro. How's that? Part two of this here topic that I brought up. I stirred up the dissonance. I will solve it on the next podcast, which will be part two of this conversation. But today, I guess I, my main focus was answering the question, what is being a Christian mystic and spiritual anarchist, what does that mean? Because that sounds that sounds out out there, Russ. Like getting out there in that liberal Seattle place out there, aren't you, buddy? I, I, I hear you. All right. I just wanted to bring some common sense and hopefully some emotional intelligence to what I'm talking about as a guy who's. Uh, Borderlines on. I'm not a total disaster anymore, but I've I've kind of I've graduated. the The bell curve has gone up to where I, I believe I've achieved that I'm, I'm more of a mess now, right? A hot mess, maybe. Okay, maybe I'm a hot mess. If I could get a little bit higher on the moral chart, I could be just a mess. So, so there's that. Throwing that out there. Speaking of stoning adulterers, in which I am one. Uh, maybe I'm speaking to a crowd of adulterers. I don't know, right? <laughs> There's different degrees of adultery. Even pornography use, according to Jesus in Matthew 5, is adultery. Jesus is going to push it, right? So if you've viewed, if you have soaked in, if you have right looked longingly at another woman with lust in your eyes, then you're an adulterer. These words, this is Matthew 5, Um so we're all adulterers, right? So that's the thing, is it's not about obeying the rules because obedience to the rules, if you can be that obedient, 
then you just have another sense of control and that kind of level of control again is what got this angel Lucifer kicked out of heaven right following those lines of theology uh, there's this story in the Bible of this woman who's caught in adultery brought to Jesus right uh, here comes the rabbis and the religious leaders this woman was caught in adultery what are you gonna do about it you know the this book says that we should stone her to death like just like the guy just like AJ Jacob said right stone her to death that's what the law says and Jesus is sitting there with a stick in the dirt drawing right and it doesn't say what he was drawing, and I don't think, and here's my interpretation, all right? Everybody has different interpretations of the Bible. It's important to realize that. One person's interpretation can be totally different than another's. I'm gonna give you mine. Um, what if Jesus was just waiting for that energy to die down? Have you ever been caught up in a conflict and people are just, and you get in there and you're like, right? Because all that energy is flowing. I think of protesters. Um, when there's a protest, it starts with a few people. Yeah, I believe this. And then the emotions take over and pretty soon somebody is flipping over a Volkswagen, right? Lighting a fire, something like that. Um, so I think that when Jesus is with his stick in the dirt, he's just waiting for things to calm down. And when things got calmed to a certain degree, that's when he, um, okay, well, if you're going to stone her, let's, who, whoever's without sin, why don't you cast the first stone? So are, are you going to cast the first stone, right? But he, he throws that out there. It's kind of a question. It's in their mind. They have to solve that dissonance in their brain. So they hear that, and they're thinking about it. And the Bible records, I think it's in the Luke, uh, when Luke tells this story, the Bible records that the oldest people to youngest people, they start dropping their stones. <laughs> right? There's something to that. The older people are going, uh... I'm out, right? They drop the stones, and pretty soon, there's nobody there to condemn her. And he says that. He says, hey, nobody's here to condemn you. Uh, go and sin no more, which is, I mean, I've done whole shows on that, too, in the past. So, that's part of what we're talking about, that when we interpret the Bible... Are we conscious of the grace that God gives us? Seven needs I'm going to do on the next podcast because this one went longer than I thought it was going to. And I thought I would have time to finish it. But my wife called. So my wife and my daughter and her mom and dad are over in Port Angeles, which here in the Seattle area, the Puget Sound area, it's across the water. So they... I had to work because my car broke down, trying to get caught up on the bills. So they went on this little excursion. They were gonna go on a hike tomorrow and all this stuff. And my daughter's Jeep broke down. So tomorrow, I'm driving to Port Angeles to be mechanic and fix my daughter's Jeep. Hopefully get it home. If it's just the starter, they can go on their hike and they can enjoy the rest of the time. And maybe I can enjoy some too. So 
Uh, if you're a praying person, you could pray for me in that. How's that? Uh, because that's what I'll be doing tomorrow. But hopefully I've done some good work in this episode to unpack spiritual anarchy and uh, Christian mysticism. Because I think that during the process of this podcast over the years, I've always been a bit of a mystic, right? I, you know, I've been asking for money a lot on this podcast. I'm starting to live out some of what I'm going to be talking about in the seven needs as well. Because you've been hearing me bitch and moan and piss and complain about money for years. And the truth is, yes, it costs money to keep this thing alive. But hopefully, maybe you're hearing me. And hopefully, maybe I can inspire some of you that have money problems to start moving in a direction of growth and healing about your money problems. Like, where do I have gifts? Where can I help other people? Where can I put out into the world a way for the to see the world change? And I don't do this for money, but the facts are, I've been learning the hard way, it still costs money to produce and to keep up and to influence other people and to change the lives of people who are struggling and hurting. And that's really what I want to see. And again, I, I appreciate all your donations. I thank you for those. Hopefully that I can get to a point where this podcast, as successful as it is now, I could just do it without having to bug people for money because money is coming in, right? Because I'm not, I, I have the self-control to handle my money. And I think I have that. It's just circumstances, man. Things come up. It's tough. Uh, my car breaks down. I'm out of work for five days. At the end of the month, trying to get back to work. And then I'm just going to work this weekend. And then my could go save my family, right? Uh, which was is good. I'm I'm gonna be the mechanic, and that's part of this this journey of my Christian mystic attitude is that I am not in control of things, and neither are you. And one thing I wanted to land this episode on, and to get you to maybe think about is what if the opposite of love is control? So if you think about it, you know, looking at the devil, the devil hates human beings. Why? Because we're out of control. We don't obey the rules. There's a certain way things ought to be. The devil doesn't like that there's, right, all these rules. It, just looking up some of the theology around this character, the devil, and that is that is that character, right? He's such a control freak that he got kicked out of heaven because he thinks that everything can be under control and that he can usurp the will of God. That he can that he's better than God, that he can, you know, the rules that he has are better than the rules that God has. And when it comes to being conscious of the grace that we're given, this is just a mind-blowing, beautiful paradigm. So I wanted to leave you with that. This is Russ Shaw signing off. Oh, shit. By the way... Uh, I've been approached, uh, my friend Jim Henderson, who was on a, another podcast, 
uh, he was I, I interviewed Jim Henderson great guy friend of mine we had coffee and he asked me I guess in the Seattle area they're gonna have some TEDx talks and I and he said hey would you like to do a TEDx talk in Everett because they're gonna have it in Everett that's where I live uh, I guess here at the Performing Arts Theater something like that so I Russ Shaw might actually do a TEDx talk how awesome is that? I don't know if it's awesome at all. Depends on what you think of TED Talks. But <laughs> I'm kind of excited. So I sent my uh, two cents in. We'll see what happens. I don't know. If, uh, I'm right. I'm not an educated man. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. But just throwing it out there. Uh, so yes, this is Rush Shaw signing out. Uh, the music on the podcast today... Soundgarden's Rustic Cage along with Johnny Cash's cover of Soundgarden's Rustic Cage. I also played Faith by Limp Biscuit, a bumper promo from that, as well as Green Day's Minority right here. I love you guys. I do mean that sincerely. Uh, next time on the podcast, The Seven Needs, next week, week after... I'm not sure. ASI247.org. Uh, next week, I'm going to name some of the donors on the podcast. Uh, if you don't want your name named, I can use your nickname if you like. But throwing that out there, um, I, I have had donations and the GoFundMe is, is up. So thank you for your support. And until next time, bye. I want to be the